listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. There's not a guy in that room that was at that game that's going to play in this game. There's no way that they would ever forget what happened because it was the absolute lowest point uh, in our season last year. It, it was, it was pain, painful as coaches to have to watch the game. That was just a, a bad day. It was set up like a bad Halloween day, right? You know, jury, you walk there, nobody in the stand. Jury, we didn't play well, couldn't get excited. Just wasn't, wasn't a good day. No bueno. They weren't a very good football team, and we didn't play very well at all. I don't even know if I even watched that game over again, honestly. Everybody knew we weren't supposed to lose that game, but like I said, you know, that's last year. New year, new team, um, new motivation. You know, we was better We was better than that, um, and we all knew that. But um, definitely it, it was it was a low light, but, you know, I think we, we since then we bowed up since, since that game and, um, you know, just continued to grow. And welcome here to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washhead, and Nate Klaus as Nebraska takes on Purdue here on Saturday, a 2.30 game on ABC. And it's hard not to go back to last year, guys, when when you look at just how things have shaped out. That was really as low of a moment in the modern era of Nebraska football to go on the road as a big favorite like that to lose to the doormat team of the Big Ten, Purdue. Not only lose, but to give up 55 points uh, to what's really been one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. And uh, you heard several different players and coaches there talking about just what that meant. Well, since that game in West Lafayette, Nebraska's 9-1. and one. And I can remember vividly uh, as that game happened, I, I, th- I thought to myself, Every year I've covered Nebraska football, there's always kind of something you can spin positively or you know be optimistic about. At that point, I said to myself, there's only really one thing they could do to do that, and that would be beat Michigan State. Well, they went out and beat Michigan State, and things have turned since then. As we said, Nebraska's 9-1, and one, but that was a day, Robin, that <laughs> it was, it was this, as Brian Stewart said, it was one of those ugly Halloween, dreary days. Um, nothing went right for Nebraska. Yeah, there's nothing good about that game for Nebraska. And, you know, not only did they suffer, you know, that humiliating of a loss um, that you know, was really arguably the low point um, of that season, which was a pretty low point season, um, all things considered. Uh, they lost to Mornay Pearson L for the season and a horrific injury that just shook everybody up, you know, right from the get go. And um, it, it, just, it was just every, anything that could go wrong did go wrong in that game. And, um, earlier this week in our notebook, uh, I went back and looked at, there was one play that I think was probably the lowest point of that low point, and it was uh, towards the end of the fourth quarter. Uh, Purdue was up 49-38, about two and a half minutes left in the game, and there was a run, just basic run play up the middle by Markel Jones, Purdue's running back, and Nebraska looked to stop him for a no gain. He ended up pushing the pile for a 21-yard gain. A la Tommy Frazier, 95 feet. Oh, it was terrible, all the way down to the 10-yard line, and you know, there's a YouTube clip of that, and you just see Nebraska defenders kind of standing around, watching, um, you know, waiting for somebody else to make a play, and that was the, the the kind of the the image that I think burned and Mark Banker and everyone else on that coaching staff and you know the locker room's head of uh, the lack of effort that was so so disappointing in that game. I mean I don't think it was just the the final outcome that that was you know really hard to swallow. It was the fact that Nebraska just stopped trying. 
And that's the one thing that you can control as a football player is effort. I mean, you can be as schematically outcoached or overmatched physically as you know you want, but uh, the one thing that you you know have the ability to control is how much effort you give. And Nebraska just stopped giving effort in that game, and that was what made that game so bad. Nate, I don't think I've ever seen a, a transition where Nebraska went from losing to the worst team in the conference, maybe one of the worst Power Five programs, bottom five for sure in Power Five football. Then go the next week and beat the Big Ten champions in a team that played in the college football playoff. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. I mean, they looked like a team that did not want to be playing football against Purdue, and then all of a sudden completely turned it around to where, um, you know, they're beating Michigan State. And I know that week leading up to the Michigan State game, they had, uh, you know, Jordan Stevenson left the team. I think Matt Finnan Big also, news there. Yeah, also <laughs> left the team. But you had maybe some guys that, that – left the locker room. I don't know if that kind of sparked things or I don't know what it was necessarily that that really changed uh, things around but but you're right that that was the turning point of the season and Nebraska's looked like a much different team ever since uh, you know Tommy Armstrong came back uh, from not playing in that Purdue game to to beating Michigan State and and we are here where we are now. You're listening here to the Husker online show Sean Callahan Robert Washat Nate Klaus as we get you ready for Saturday's Purdue game at 2:30 game on ABC. Uh, it will be the second week in a row the Huskers uh, will play. I mean, I, I look back at when the schedule came out, no way I would have thought these would be 230 ABC games, Indiana and Purdue. And um, it's amazing when you get ranked number eight in the polls, um, what it can do for your TV profile as Nebraska has gotten these great TV spots. And, um, you know, Purdue comes in, too, with an interim head coach. Daryl Hazel was fired at 3-3 three and three on Sunday. Uh, they're 1-2 and two in the Big Ten. They beat Illinois. They lost to Iowa. They were down big and kind of made it interesting at the end, and then they, they got blown out by Maryland. Uh, they'll, they'll bring in uh, Jared Parker, a former Kentucky player, former Marshall assistant coach. He's been at Purdue with Hazel for four seasons. He will be the interim head coach, 35 years old. So I'm actually older than the guy coaching this game. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> but it's... It's not a good scenario. I mean, you just wonder what Jared Parker, Rob, and how, how this young 35-year-old coach is going to handle his first game in Memorial Stadium in front of 90,000 people. Well, I think so far, at least what he said in his first week in this position, he said all the right things. Um, you know, I guess on his first official press conference, you know, his message was, you know, what, what I want this the rest of these next six games to be about for this team is just go out there and, you know, have fun. I know a lot of people say that. But just not only have fun, but, you know, just be proud of what you're doing out there on the field. And by doing – he's doing little things. Like uh, before on road games, you know, Purdue's team had to dress up in suits and they had all these strict rules that Hazel had implemented. And, you know, uh, Parker's just going to get rid of that. And he's going to – you know, we're going to make things comfortable. We're going to have a more team unity approach and kind of lay things back a little bit. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if they start, you know, getting a little creative with their play calling, you know, had some trick plays, do some, you know, some different wrinkles that, you know – just to maybe to try and provide a spark. And on the defensive side of the ball, he's not touching anything because he says as the way that he got this position, it would just be a, a bad move uh, for him to step into the defensive coach's office and start throwing his weight around. So he's going to leave that up to uh, everybody's good buddy Ross Ells to continue to manage that defense and basically focus on the offense and just try and make these last six games for Purdue as, uh, I guess, you know, positive as he possibly can. Yeah, Nate, you got the Ross Ells factor this week too. And, yeah, I know some Husker fans chuckle about that. You know, all the Ross – I mean, is it really going to be a factor? But he does know the players. 
Um, every third, fourth, and fifth year guy on this roster, he coached and recruited and, and had a heavy part of their careers here. Um, and he's going to, the thing that I'm interested in, he's going to know that offensive line situation. He's going to know exactly who these guys are and go be able to probably go at them with a lot of different pressures because of his knowledge of the roster. Yeah, it's definitely a factor. Not only does he know the the linebackers inside and out and, and their strength and weaknesses, but he also knows, I mean, like you said, pretty much everyone on the on the roster, he's going to know the the injury situations and um, and he probably better than anybody knows exactly how thin they are up front. So, uh, there's no question that's going to be that's going to be a factor. Um, you know, and and for as much flack as, as Rossell's has caught, you know, I, I still think that he probably is a better coach than, than what people get him credit for. I know that there were times where maybe he was hamstrung a little bit by, by Bo Pelini, who was making uh, some personnel decisions and, and some overriding some, some things that some of the assistants wanted to do. Now, I don't know if Rossell's necessarily as good with the media and what he says publicly uh, as he is, you know, maybe with some X's and O's stuff, but... Um, twisty things twisty things yeah boy uh yeah there's some quotes you could go back and just shake your head and be like okay you, you would have been better off just saying no comment than than <laughs> just spouting out whatever you spouted out hey but, he did come up with the big red weekend that was his creation at yeah he, he did some good things I, and and uh he moved around well out there I, but you know whatever but uh uh but yeah it's twisty gonna be things. yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a factor how much we don't know but we'll see all right we have a full show on tap we'll continue to get you ready for Saturday's game with Purdue and there'll be some official visitors in town as well. Nate Klaus will give us an update on that and also tell us about his trip to Florida uh, as he caught a couple Husker commits in action uh, last weekend down in Miami and the Orlando area. And then we'll take your questions in the mailbag with Husker Online intern Matt Reynoldson. All of that's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. If Nick can't play and Neville both can't play our two tackles, then we've got to probably make a move with somebody that has been very versatile, a guy like Sam Hahn. You just go play. I mean, you can't play like not to get hurt or anything like that because that's when you get hurt. So you just go out there and play, and if something happens, something happens. I mean, we Cav always says great technique pre- uh, prevents injuries. So, you know, you go out there and play with the best technique that you know when you can, and anything past that, you know, it's football. If you get hurt, you get hurt. We have guys, you know, working, and somebody will step up like they have been, so... And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was senior offensive lineman Sam Hahn and uh, head coach Mike Riley just talking about this week's offensive line situation. It's been pretty dicey. Um, it's clearly had an effect on the, just the production level of this offense in their last two games, the Illinois game and the uh, game against Indiana as injuries up front and, and just a, miss, a mix matching of bodies, guys playing guard, ta- tackle, guys like Cole Conrad having to come in uh, this week the question is Nick Gates at left tackle and even David Neville and the durability of his ankle uh, at right tackle. He played one play at Indiana. Um, so they're really fighting some stuff there. And, you know, Tanner Farmer came back off his ankle. He still wasn't, you know, all the way 100%, Robin. And so uh, as we bring Robin Washington and Nate Klaus in, uh, the offensive line situation is dicey, Robin, going into this week. Yeah, it's been dicey since before even the first game, going back to fall camp. So. Nothing new here, um, but certainly less than ideal situation, um, especially you know when you look ahead past this week. I mean, the meat grinder, your schedule is coming up, and uh, you're basically rolling you know on a day-to-day basis with this O line. Um, so uh, 
you know, I, I, Nick Gates, I think he's basically all but out for this game. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised one bit if, you know, Cole Conrad um, ends up getting the call at left tackle. Wouldn't um, Sam Hahn be the left tackle? Yeah, and but and do, then, do you really want to shake up everything on the O-line? I mean, the guy's been playing guard. But he's been a tackle his whole long. career, though. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I could see both happening. But, you know, left I mean, tackle, such Conrad's a played a lot of tackle this season, too. So, I mean, it's not like it's that big of a difference, in my opinion. I don't know. Oh, I, th- I thought Conrad was more right, though. And I yeah, thought Hahn... but then do you move David Neville over to the left? I don't know. I mean, I, I just remember I was talking with uh, Steve Sippel, and he agreed that uh, – Conrad might be the left tackle there if they rolled out today. Uh, but anyway, well, I mean, they have, I guess, some options there. I mean, you Whitaker can, has versatility. Yeah, yep, you got guys that can play inside it out. So, I mean, that's that's the good thing. That's the silver lining here is that, um, you know, as bad as things are, you can at least piece together something to get through this week. Um, but I think, that, yeah, they should play it safe. Make sure Nick Gates is healthy for Wisconsin or at least as healthy as possible. And just just try and get through this. I mean, but again, this is nothing new for them, and uh, I think somehow, some way, they're going to find a way to make it work. And the most important thing, in my opinion, is to come out of this game as healthy as possible. And if you can sit Nick Gates and, and get him healthy, and um, and I mean, and anyone else who's banged up, I mean, because they're going to need these guys against Wisconsin. They could probably make it work against Purdue. Uh, like you said, less than ideal situation, but they're going to need everyone they can get uh, heading into the Wisconsin and Ohio State games here coming up. So, um, you know, you feel for Kavanaugh, but he said, you know, this is this has happened to me before. This is not something that's that's brand new along the offensive line. Injuries happen, and and yeah, it's it's not a whole lot of fun to to have a patchwork O line like this, but uh, you, you make it work and guys step up. And and he mentioned Sam Hahn as being a guy who's really stepped up at Cole Conrad, and and uh, I mean, there's been a handful of guys to to really emerge, and and uh, you know. Uh, surprisingly enough it, they've been they've all been walk-ons uh so i mean that's it's good to see that, that somebody's stepping up but uh you just got to get through this week healthy you're listening here to the oscar online show sean callahan robin wash as we get you ready for saturday's game against purdue it's a 230 abc game and you know at the start of the year i think there were two positions on this team where i'm like well they really can't afford any major injuries and and offensive tackle is one of them and defensive end was the other and that's what's scary to me because mainly for a guy like Tommy Armstrong, uh, Tommy Armstrong without healthy tackles, we saw it on Saturday at Indiana. He can't sit back there, um, and and he has to do that little rollout spin move more often than not just to avoid pressures. And that's how Nebraska scored the touchdown to Stanley Morgan Jr. There, I mean, Tommy probably prevented about five or six sacks on Saturday with his ability to run around, uh, but he was not happy. I mean, on a bad ankle himself. Uh, there was an incident on the sidelines where Nick Gates and Tommy actually got into it. Um, you, you just hope they have a, a good, strong game plan and a better grasp of their situation this week to help Tommy out. Yeah, and you know that that shows up on film, and teams are going to take note of that, that if you pressure on the outside, I mean, you're going to make life very, very difficult for Nebraska's offensive line, and as a result, Tommy Armstrong. So, I mean, that that has to be something Nebraska has to account for, and if that means leaving running backs in for pass protection, leaving tight ends in for pass protection, I mean, uh, you, you got to find ways to keep Tommy upright and give him at least you know more than two seconds in the pocket to at least go through one read. 
because um, that, that was a big root of their issues um, this last weekend at Indiana. I mean, not only could they not run the ball consistently in the second and third quarters, uh, Tommy was running for his life all day long. And so, I mean, you've you got to be able to you know give him at least some semblance of, of comfort of a in pocket. the pocket. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to, to, and Tommy doesn't like the pocket either, though, to be fair. I mean, he's not a guy that likes to sit in there too He long. doesn't also like running 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage for <laughs> trying to evade stuff, you know, blitzers. So, the screenplay, he got sacked on that one screenplay, mm-hmm. right? And that, or, they call him on a grounding. He grounding. got ri- he got rid of it, and they called him on a grounding. Still, there's the yeah. one where they called grounding, and he threw it to yeah, Trey, when Foster. Trey Foster. Almost caught mm-hmm. it. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, yeah, I, I think that you know, that's something not only Nebraska has to worry about just with basic pass rushes, but uh, when teams start scheming against that to try and exploit that weakness, I mean, that could be a major issue. Yeah, you have to make Tommy feel comfortable and. When he doesn't feel comfortable, he starts rushing everything and the timing is off. And that's when you start to see bad Tommy come out. You start to see some of those YOLO bombs where he's just he's chucking it up there. And, and sometimes it's because he's got a couple guys right in his face. And I think sometimes it's just because he's sped up. He's trying to just get rid of the ball uh, because he doesn't feel comfortable. He doesn't feel like he has time to make the play. And, uh, and fortunately enough for Nebraska, uh, those some of those YOLO bombs didn't didn't come back to bite them too bad. And and Stanley Morgan actually made one heck of a play on on one of them. Uh, over taking, three guys. Yeah, over three guys taking it to the house there. Uh, but uh, you have to make Tommy feel comfortable. And I think as we talk offensive storylines here on the Husker Online show, the key this week again will be Terrell Newby. Um, he ran really hard on Saturday. Uh, especially in the fourth quarter. I mean, Nebraska mustered out a 15-yard, 15-play drive that took up nearly eight minutes a clock. And to that point, you know, you go back, I think they had 65 yards on that drive. Over the third and second quarters, Nebraska had about 85 combined yards. Um, so when it mattered, they did find the Morgan play, and they did put together the drive with Newby. Uh, but, man, Terrell Newby is running like a man, and I think that has been as big of a factor for this offense the last two games as anything. Nebraska's been waiting a year and a half for one of those running backs to emerge as the lead dog, and Terrell Newby's finally done it uh, with his play uh, in the past two fourth quarters especially. I mean, with the game on the line, Terrell Newby has been at his best, and that is one definite way to get in the high um, – I get the, the – the, the Heisman, the, the Heisman, no, not the, no. Getting the high, uh, <laughs> getting the good, the good graces. That's what I was trying to say. The good graces of your coaching staff, and I think that you know that Mike Riley said it from day one that they want a guy that can emerge and be that workhorse back. They've had a workhorse back everywhere they've gone, and Terrell Newby. I mean, he has the reins right now. I mean, he is that lead dog, and uh, unless he has to come off the field, they're not going to make go out of their way to uh, replace him. That's why you heard I think, it here first. Robin Wash it. Heisman <laughs> Trophy. Yes, that that is Newby. exactly what I said. Yes, <laughs> that's why Mikael Wilbon didn't play against. Indiana too because he was Terrell Newby's you know top backup and uh, it, for certain roles and Zigbo and Trey Bryant you know were sharing a certain role there uh, but you know with the way that he was playing they didn't need to go to their bench that's why the running backs uh, the rest of the group only had six carries. Well, I need to eat some crow on Terrell Newby because I had not been a big proponent of his uh, but he's proved me wrong here over the last few weeks um, and, and really running physical had been something that, that they had been wanting to see out of Terrell Newby, and that's been the biggest difference to me is he's running physical and he's grinding out tough yards. We all know he can, he can be a home run threat, but he is grinding out those tough yards when it matters most. Well, it should be an interesting week to watch this Husker offense and how they put it together here at home. When we come back, we're going to shift over, though, to defense, where the Blackshirts may have played their best defensive game to date under Mark Banker. We'll talk about that next year. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. 
This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I think so. I, I it, And you just saw it on film, the plays, and, and it was more of the plays that we've seen before that we got beat on in, in previous games. That This game, we didn't get beat on them. We, we, we fit them right, and we were attacking it because we knew what was coming, and we knew how to how to do it right. So I think, yeah, it's fair to say that this is probably the most complete game that we played under. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was senior linebacker Josh Banderas, who led the Huskers with 11 tackles in their win at Indiana. And I asked him the question this week as we bring in Robin Washington and Nate Klaus uh, to the Husker Online Show. Was that the most complete defensive performance you guys have played under Mark Banker in two years? And he said, without a doubt, uh, Nebraska held Indiana to under 90 yards rushing, under 250 passing. Uh, Kevin Wilson's offense has been known as one of the better units uh, around the the conference the last you know four or five six years and uh, to kind of shut them down in the manner they did and 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 really fluster them uh, Robin I thought that was a great sign for the defense well I mean you go down the list Josh Banderas had maybe his best game of the season Nate Geary had one of maybe his best games of the season Chris Jones uh, uh, Carlos Davis I mean just go down the line every single player in all three you know levels of the defense stepped up and had you know maybe one of like you said their most complete performance of the year and that they needed to uh, because with the offense, the way they were struggling against a high powered Indiana offense, uh, the, the defense needed to win that game and they stepped up and answered the call. And uh, that is extremely encouraging and really kind of the, one of the latest feathers in the cap uh, for just how drastic of a turnaround it's been uh, from where this team was a year ago. I mean, keep in mind, this was right about the time Nebraska was getting 55 points hung up on them by Purdue. Uh, so, I mean, the, 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 the transition that they've made over the past calendar year uh, has been impressive, to say the least. Well, I think we saw a glimpse of what the defense can look like when all three all three levels are, are playing at a high level. Um, John Parla talked about the, the D-line as a whole probably be having their best best game as a group. Uh, uh, Kevin Maurice and especially Carlos Davis um, in particular playing extremely well. And I think those guys up front allowed the linebackers to really shine. You had Josh Banderas with 11 tackles. Uh, you know, Dedrick Young drew a lot of praise from, from Trent Bray. Um, so that position group was playing well. And, uh, you know, and, and what, what can you say about Chris, uh, Chris Jones and the, the job that he's done so far this year? And then in that game to, to have a pick six, I mean, was obviously a huge moment in the game. I really like how they lit up uh, Indiana's quarterback with the blitz packages. We haven't seen some of those blitz calls uh, from those guys. To me, the best drive, though, was Tommy throws that second half pick and Indiana had momentum, big momentum there. And it looked like they were going to take the lead because of the way the game swung. Well, they go out there and they force a three and out. I mean, that was huge uh, when you look at just the grand scheme of this football game here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show as uh, we talk defensive storylines. A segment on the Husker Online Show is brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill with Two locations here in Lincoln. The second one soon to be open here on um, 70th and A Street in the Old Grandmothers and five locations across the Omaha area. And a reminder, next week, um, the location that they own is in Madison, Wisconsin, and there will be a huge Husker gathering uh, at the uh, Madison Tanners in Middleton. Uh, you want to make sure you get out there. It's right across the street from the Nebraska Team Hotel there as well. So uh, there will be a ton of Husker fans um, taking advantage of that and enjoying some uh, good company there at Tanner Sports Bar and Grill. And guys, as, as we move on to defensive storylines, um, let's focus more on that secondary and just what these guys have done. And you, know, you go back to a year ago, I felt like Brian Stewart was a little handcuffed because he had so many seniors like John Rose, like Daniel Davey, 
where he had to kind of stick with those guys. And um, ever since he's made this move to Kalu and Jones at corner, uh, I feel like things have changed big time, and, and that's why these guys in the back end have played so much better. Well, I mean, there were people that were saying even before the start of last season that you know Jones and Kalu might be the best two corners they have on their roster. Nate, I'll let you tell the story about what Brian Dawkins told you, um, you know, back when he was evaluating Nebraska's secondary. And so uh, this was no secret, I think, that these guys were extremely talented young players. But uh, again, like you mentioned, Sean, the, the coaching staff kind of erred on the side of caution with not wanting to ruffle things too much in the locker room. And uh, they paid the price because of it, because they were putting not their best players on the they field. They were good athletes that didn't have good ball skills. Right. Or, you know, they, right. they, they looked the part. And now, you know, Josh Galou, I mean, he's, he's playing, a, you know, extremely high level, some of the best football of his career, and Chris Jones might be a potential early NFL draft pick with the way that he's been playing. Well, I think the staff and last year they had to they had to tread lightly because you didn't want to come in right away given the 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 the, the fragile nature of, of the, the whole team given the change and everything. You didn't want to come in and just shake things up too much and uh, and that meant, I think, playing some seniors and playing some upperclassmen that if they could do it over again, maybe they would, uh, you know, play some underclassmen and bench some of those older guys. But, um, yeah, heading into to last season, uh, Brian Dawkins, who's very close with with Eric Lee and, and that family. Former had, NFL All-Pro, future Hall of Famer, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, knows a thing or two about defensive back play. Had seen uh, some practice footage of Nebraska and said, well, the best two corners there are Chris Jones and, and Joshua Kalu, and it's not even close. And, of course, ever since they made that move, yeah, we've seen that, yeah, these guys are pretty darn good. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk defensive storylines here, getting you ready uh, for this game against Purdue. And we touched earlier, guys, about this at the start of the show, about last year's just performance. And uh, I'll be real curious how motivated the defense is coming out on Saturday against Purdue. I mean, they, they made David Blau look like Drew Brees. I mean, they, they, this guy just dominated them last year. A lot of misdirectional plays. They made D'Angelo Yancey look like Calvin Johnson at times in that game a year ago um, in West Lafayette. And uh, you just wonder how they're going to come out this week and and, and just come at Purdue. And I, I think Memorial Stadium behind this team, it's going to be a 75-degree perfect day for football, um, 230 game. I mean, it, you couldn't ask for a better stage uh, for this team to come out ranked number eight in the country. Well, I think the key is just keeping your senses mentally. Don't make this thing about uh, coming out and getting revenge from the opening snap and uh, you know making this like a personal vendetta type thing because then you start losing focus of uh, you know your responsibilities on the field. And basically since Nebraska's team plane landed back in Lincoln following the Indiana win, that's been the message from this coaching staff, particularly Mark Banker, said this this is not a game about revenge. You need to focus just uh, like it is any game. Last year was last year and you know you can Find motivation for whatever you want, but don't make this a personal thing. I mean, go out there and execute the way you're supposed to execute, and things should play out the way you hope. I like this team's focus. I think that's one thing that I've been impressed with each and every week. I, there's been a, a, a chance for this team to be really high and, and to really kind of feel like they've arrived and, and feel like they've made it or, or to feel really good about themselves coming off of, you know, beating Oregon or, or, you know, beating some other teams that beat them last year. But it seems like all these guys are pretty dialed in and focused and um, and hungry for more. And, and I think that's what we're going to see on Saturday. I think we're going to see uh, the, a defense that goes out there and plays at a high level and tries to keep getting better and, and having better performance than the week before. 
Well, it should be a very interesting game in Memorial Stadium. The stage is set for Nebraska to get off to the 7-0 start. We've been talking about uh, the, the potential of that. But, you know, you just after last year, I think everybody treaded lightly about uh, starting out 7-0. But you looked at that schedule and you said, you know what? It could happen, especially if they beat Oregon. And lo and behold, they beat Oregon. And, and they've taken care of business on two road trips to Northwestern and Indiana to get to this point now to be 7-0. and And uh, man, if they could win this game and take care of business, guys, it's going to be a very, very fun uh, next couple of weeks to see how Nebraska can do against two top 10 programs in Wisconsin and Ohio State. Well, that puts a wrap here uh, for our discussion on defensive storylines. When we come back here on the show, we're going to take your questions in the Husker Online mailbag as Husker Online intern Matt Reynoldson will join us and we'll take your questions next. You're listening here to the Husker Online show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I, I, I don't care whether it was Purdue or Hobo U or whoever it was. I mean, it happened and it wasn't good. I mean, that should be something that they carry with them all season for the, the, the whole season in every game. And uh, it, it's totally unacceptable. You know, we've got this opportunity against Purdue this week, and uh, we need to take advantage of that opportunity. It's the only one we'll have. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was defensive coordinator Mark Banker uh, as he flashes back to last year's game. And Banker's always good for something good there. Uh, the Hobo U, uh, Purdue, uh, that's classic Mark Banker for you. But uh, we're going to shift over. We're going to take your questions here in the Husker Online mailbag. Sean Callahan, Robin Washa, Nate Clausen. We bring into the program Husker Online intern Matt Reynoldson. Uh, Matt, we have a b- pretty full mailbag today here coming off the Indiana week. Yeah, we got some good stuff. More than A little bit more than I expected, but when David posts the mailbag, you can never be sure. Da- David is troll bait. <laughs> Somebody asked him about basketball tryouts, how those are going. <laughs> well, let's get to the questions here. What do you got this week? All right, we'll start off with Ross Ells. Husker Bay asks, with Ross Ells now leading the Purdue defense, how similar is his strategy to Bo Pelini's defense? Well, the biggest thing he does, I know from talking to Purdue writers this week, is he does match personnel. Um, so when Nebraska's four wide, they're dime. When they're three wide, they're nickel, et cetera, et cetera. Um, two back, tight end, they're going to be three linebackers. And uh, I know there's been some complaining amongst Purdue fans that, hey, when it's third and goal from the five-yard line and a team's in four wide, why do you need to be in a dime defense? I think there's some definite criticism of the scheme, but I think a lot of it's his personnel problems at Purdue. Yeah, and speaking of those personnel problems, one thing that he did when he came in was shift more towards a nickel base, you know, kind of what Bo did at Nebraska, you know, especially back in the day. Yeah, the peso. So, <laughs> But the problem with that is the strength of Purdue's uh, defense was arguably its defensive line and their linebackers. And so what he did was put – the big, the biggest weakness of the defense, the secondary, uh, get more secondary players on the field, take away good players that are the strength of the defense, and kind of gear more towards a passing, uh, pass coverage defense in the Big Ten, and we all know how that works. Yeah, I well, think I think the person, I think um, in the Big Ten, matching personnel is a lot harder, Nate, than it was in the Big Twelve. Yeah, there's no question that it's harder, and, and they're still hemorrhaging yards on the ground. So I mean, I don't know, I don't know what. Uh, I don't know what the answer is for that Purdue defense. They, they've got a lot of work. I, I read a quote from Rossells that said, well, we're we're giving up a lot of yards in the pass game, but a lot of it's because we're giving up yards in, in the run game, and we need to get better in both. And so he's saying a lot without really – um, saying much of anything at all, I, so I, I don't know what I don't know what the 
I guess what the identity of the defense is. I know a lot of it though still does have a lot of the the base qualities. Or uh, if they play two safeties high though on Nebraska, they will run right through them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'll be curious if he brings a guy up in the box. Next question. What would it take at this point for the staff to burn the red shirt off of one of the freshman offensive linemen? Uh, I I think massive injuries for where they're at right now. They Bo Wilson would be the one that they would burn at this point. Um, but I think it would take like a couple of guys that would be out for the season and they just would have zero confidence in Jalen Barnett and, and Christian Gaylord and Michael Decker to come into the game. I mean, I, I just think they've held strong and they don't want to mess up these young men and, and put them in there in, in situations. I mean, what's your thought, thought on that, Nate? Well, it's, it's to the point in the season where, you know, are you doing more harm than good when you're bringing a guy in? Uh, who has had the mindset of redshirting now, uh, you know, who probably hasn't been preparing under the offense, probably been running more scout team than anything, um, you know, you pass the halfway point. I, I just don't know, um, you know, you're, you're at the point of the season where I think it's it's more beneficial to, to keep the redshirt on those guys at all costs than it is to just go ahead and, and to pull a guy and, and throw him out there. Yeah, and one guy that probably won't be getting his redshirt pulled is Matt Farniak. He hasn't practiced for the last couple of weeks with an undisclosed injury, and so uh, he's not even in the mix right now. So, I mean, the only guys that could possibly get pulled are, like you said, Bo Wilson and maybe, in a desperate situation, uh, Reardon. Well, and Reardon is really impressive. He just needs to get bigger. I mean, I've heard yeah. people say he could be the starting center next year. Yeah. He just needs a year of season. Yeah, that's the thing, though, next year. They don't want to waste, you know, once he gets up to about on six games. 280, 290, and he will. I mean, he's going to be a good player. Next question. Moving on to tight ends. With Carter Cotton and Foster graduating, do you think the staff has told Litau to be prepared to play as a true freshman? It seems to the writer, like Allen, will for sure need a redshirt year to build his frame and look like a D1T tight end rather than a small forward. Uh, and how have Stoll, Engelhoff, and Snyder progressed in the gym? Well, I think Engelhoff and, and you're missing Tyler Hoppus. I mean, Tyler yeah. Hoppus is actually ahead of he Snyder. He could be the starter. Yeah, I think to, today right now, Hoppus is the starter. I think Engelhoff, Nate, would be a guy that could make a big move next year. Yeah, to be, well, first and foremost, Engelhoff has completely transformed his body. I mean, he doesn't even look like the same kid as he did when he when he arrived at Nebraska last summer. And and uh, Tavita Thompson just uh, last week was giving him quite a bit of praise, talking about how how athletic he is um, and just really just uh, how much he's grown learning the position since he never really played it before this year. But I think Leto is a guy, when you look at him physically, he, he looks – I mean, it reminds me of what Seathan Carter looked like when he came in as a freshman. And I'm not saying Leto is going to be Seathan Carter by any means, but physically he's a guy who could probably play as a true freshman if they need him to. He's, he's not going to be a one that, that is a slam dunk redshirt guy that needs a year to develop. Now, how, how, how well he picks up on the offense and everything, I don't know. But uh, he's got a chance to play as a true and freshman. And Snyder just hasn't shown much yet. Um, oh, he's been hurt yeah, for he's so long. And he, Stahl, he's coming on. Stall, we just don't know enough about yet. We'll know more on Jack Stall in the spring. He's another guy who's been hurt all year long too. The thing is, they got a lot of you know potential filled youth in that tight end group. That you know they're going to be green next year, but I think that there's some talent there. Mm-hmm. All right, you're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus are taking your questions here in the mailbag. Husker Online intern Matt Reynoldson is going through them off the Red Sea Scrolls. What's our next question, Matt? Well, our next question is moving outside of the program. Who should Nebraska be rooting for this weekend in the Iowa-Wisconsin game? 
I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I guess Iowa, but part of me thinks that they need to beat Wisconsin regardless, Nebraska. For for this season to have a true measure of success, I think a win in Madison will go a long way. Yeah, I mean, obviously that gives you quite a bit of separation there at the top, but, I mean, at the same time, though, the what does it say about Iowa coming on strong, too? I mean, they, they, they're right there. And they have Michigan. Iowa has Michigan remaining on their schedule and Penn State. Okay, so I, I guess... Yeah, I mean, I, I guess there's really kind of a toss-up. You can make arguments for what is you know more beneficial for Nebraska on both ends, but I think that um, as far as you know the, the direct near future here, uh, you you may want Wisconsin you know feeling even more low and dejected after you know a, a close loss at Ohio State and then um, another loss to Iowa. I mean, where would they be mentally going to that Nebraska game? I mean, that's maybe the only argument you could make uh, for wanting Iowa to win that game. You have to play both teams, so I, on really, the road. On the road, so it really doesn't matter. I don't. I guess if Wisconsin wins that game, it probably you know, and then you go to Wisconsin and beat them, it probably makes that win look even better. Um, Wisconsin yeah. plays at Northwestern too, mm-hmm. and that's not going to be easy. no. That's not going to be easy either. So, I mean, I know, it's a toss up. You know, I don't think it really matters who who wins that yeah. game because you got to play them both. I've been trying to make the argument all week for Wisconsin just because um, that would put maybe Wisconsin and Iowa, um, well, Iowa, who I think is pretty much guaranteed to lose to Michigan, that would put them both at three losses and give Nebraska pretty much the I think seven track. And, seven and two for sure wins the West. Three-game lead with four games to go. It'd be, it'd be pretty hard for Nebraska to lose that if they win in Madison. Uh, on October 29th. And winning in Madison at night is not an yeah. easy feat. All right. <laughs> Easier said than done. You got a quick one, otherwise we're wrapping it up here in the mailbag. Yeah, a uh, quick question about Tommy Armstrong. Will the coaches try to protect Tommy a little bit this week or pull him out if Nebraska does get comfortably ahead? It's way too hard to read that. they got to win the game first. Yeah. And I think if they got in a position where they were up three possessions in the second half, um, they would they would pull him. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't be overly careful because Nebraska you know, has been in that situation and it's backfired on them. Yeah, you can't you can't just use this game as like a minor league farm game. You know, you've got to win. It's a Big Ten football game, and they they you know hopefully Riker Fife can play, but you know a lot. But that offensive line situation, all bets are off right now because the protection is not going to be there. So. Well, that wraps it up here uh, for another edition of the Mailbag. Uh, when we come back, we're going to close the show with Nate Klaus as we'll get some thoughts here on Husker recruiting. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus as we'll give you a fix on some recruiting to close things up, and uh, it will once again be a, a decent recruiting weekend for Nebraska. The Huskers have actually had more four- and five-star official visitors than any team in the country thus far to kind of put things in perspective of what the Huskers have been able to accomplish under Mike Riley this year. So uh, as we bring Nate Klaus in, before we get to recruiting, Nate, uh, I want to get some brief thoughts on your trip out to Florida. You were in Orlando and Fort Lauderdale um, over the weekend uh, you got to see defensive end commit Robert Porsche and linebacker commit Willie uh, Hampton uh, play their games uh, this past weekend. What were your thoughts just on seeing these two guys in person? Very few Nebraska fans, and let alone coaches from Nebraska, have been to their games yet. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny because these are two of the kind of more under-the-radar recruits or commits in this class. Uh, Willie Hampton was the first one to commit in this class, but uh, both of them are relatively quiet, and uh, we were able to see Robert Porsche on Thursday night, and he had 
easily his best game of the season. He had uh, 10 tackles, seven tackles for loss, four sacks, uh, a couple uh, passes that were that were broken up and an interception. I mean, uh, he started out kind of slow, but he was flat out dominant whenever he wanted to be. I think that's probably the biggest knock on him right now is is his motor. Uh, but you see that out of out of some big time players. You know, sometimes they they play down to the competition a little bit and, and they turn it on when they when they need to or or when they really want to. Uh, but but and I think that's something John Perella can probably get uh, Robert Porsche uh, to to play with a higher motor all the time. Kind of that. His mentality of all gas, no brakes. I, I think we'll see uh, Perella kind of break Porsche of that, but um, but I was very impressed with him. He had a great performance, um, and he's an interesting player because I think he could be uh, a defensive end, kind of a five technique in college, a strong side defensive end, and he could be also a guy that ends up moving inside, uh, depending on how he develops physically, and that's probably where his most upside comes from. Is uh, he's got a long ways to go uh, physically, and if he ends up looking anything like his dad still looks like today, he's going to be one heck of a player uh, in college. Uh, The one thing to be concerned about is that he's visiting Michigan this weekend. So uh, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. I don't think it's, it's time to hit the panic button. How committable is the offer? That that is the million dollar question from, from what I understand, it's very committable and in Michigan, uh, according to Robert and according to his coaches there at Dr. Phillips high school, Michigan has been after him very hard and it's not just, uh, you know, a GA or somebody recruiting him. It's Greg Madison and the defensive coordinator are coming after Robert pretty hard. So, uh, and they've been talking a big game, according to his coach. So we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, the part of that, though, that's interesting is that he's he's from Detroit. His dad played football in the NFL for the Detroit Lions for 12 years, and uh, they still have a lot of connections in that area and everything. So part of this is is them taking a trip to kind of go back to, you know, kind of go back home, quote-unquote home. Uh, but also there's some interest there in Michigan too. So we'll see what happens. I, like I said, I'm not ready to hit the panic button there yet. But anytime a commit does take a trip, you, you have to be a little concerned. Willie Hampton, though, was impressive too as well. Yeah, Willie Hampton was impressive too. Again, I mean, he's a terrific athlete. I, I think Solid on his commit. He's solid on his commit, yep, not taking any visits or anything like that. Uh, in terms of him as a player, I think – I think you, you you have to love his athleticism. He is fast and explosive. Um, he's got good size. I wouldn't. He's not. He's not huge by any means, but he's legit. 6'1", 215, 225 pounds, somewhere right in that range. Um, so he's got good size. But he's a guy. I, I think some people expected him to maybe come in and play right away. I don't know if that's going to be the case. I, I feel like. Um, he's a player that's going to have to learn how to play the linebacker position, a lot like how Muhammad Barry has kind of – it's taken him a little bit of time to, to kind of settle in and learn the linebacker position. Uh, could put, potentially be a guy to, to make an impact on special teams, but I wouldn't expect him to be, you know, a, a day one contributor at, at linebacker, especially with some of the younger talent that's coming up at the position, but still a very nice player in this recruiting class. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk recruiting storylines going into the weekend against Purdue and uh, Nate it's a 2:30 game which means there's always going to be some visitors that can get up here uh, there's going to be two official visitors but 
uh, a pretty impressive list of some unofficial visitors as well. Yeah, we, at least two official visitors. I know they're still working on a couple guys uh, to see if they can get them up here, but it's it looks like Nebraska is continuing to raid the Pac-12 of, of commitments. Um, the two more guys that are coming up, uh, four, two four-star guys, and uh, Tariq Johnson, a four-star wide receiver. It's uh, 6'3", 210, 215-pound wideout that's committed to Cal. And then you've got Greg Johnson, who we at Rivals have him ranked just outside of the top 100 in the country uh, as a cornerback. But he could play corner, wide receiver, or even running back. Um, you know, at one time we had him ranked as one of the top overall athletes in the country. He's committed to Arizona, uh, four-star prospect himself. So uh, you got two very highly touted, highly recruited guys that are going to be on campus that are already committed to other programs, but are kind of taking a look around. And I think. Uh, one thing that's you know going to need to be kept an eye, close eye on is is uh, Greg Johnson because he's teammates and best friends with Joseph Lewis, uh, who we've all talked about quite a bit. Everyone knows who Joseph Lewis is, a five-star wideout out of Hawkins High School. These two are, are attached at the hip, kind of. So we'll see what happens. Um, Greg Johnson's visiting because Joseph Lewis and his coaches told him how great Nebraska is. So he's checking things out. Uh, and, I, and I think that there's a very real possibility that Nebraska does end up pulling the, the flip here on Greg Johnson. Um, Tariq Johnson uh, is, is another kid who's, who's interesting. Keith Williams is not slowing down at the wideout position. He's got three he's spots to fill. He's starting five. <laughs> it, it, he's, he is pushing hard. And, and although he's got some guys at the top of his list that he would really want, He's not he's not slowing down. He he's pushing the envelope and he's offering new guys, new top I mean Jalen Rager is a, is a top 250 guy in the country who's been committed to Oklahoma since last March. Well, he just offered him and is trying to get Jalen Rager on a visit. So, uh, he is pushing for the top guys in the country to to get him on get them all on campus and he's going to take the first three that commit, uh, it's point blank. He's he's laying it out there. He's not slowing down after the way that he got burnt with uh, Des Fitzpatrick by kind of slow playing some other players last year. Uh, that's not going to happen again. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we kind of wrap things up uh, with recruiting, Nate. And, you know, with the home game this weekend, uh, the Husker staff is going to get out to a number of in-state games this week, as we learned. Uh, they're going to have seven um, games with coaches out, uh, we've been able to confirm eight different coaches, including Mike Riley, is going to be at Cam Jurgens. Uh, so it's good that they're going to spend uh, a lot of time. I, I honestly can't remember a staff at Nebraska that's been to this many games in one night. So it's going to be impressive to see the staff out um, in in full force here over the weekend. Yeah, that will be impressive. Hitting hitting eight different or seven different games with eight different coaches. I, I don't recall a time that that's happened and. Uh, especially with the head coach going out uh, to, to catch a game. I, and it'll be a heck of a game, too, with Cameron Jurgens playing. Uh, there's, I think, the 7-1 and one right now. And then you've got – 6-2 and two Norris. And then 6-2 and two Norris. And Bryce Stye, the son of Brendan Stye, plays, is starring for, for Norris. And they've got a couple other players at the, uh, that are up-and-coming guys on that Norris squad, too. So – uh, that'll be an interesting game for Riley to catch, um, but yeah, you have to you have to like the fact that Nebraska's really been kind of hitting the road ever ever since the the bye week um, where they were all over the country. Uh, they caught a couple games in Indiana last week before the the Indi the showdown with the Hoosiers, and now they're they're hitting in state uh, here before the Purdue game. So uh, you have to like that. Uh, a number of these guys that they're going to be seeing on Friday night too are going to be. 
uh, actually heading to Lincoln as unofficial visitors. Um, you also have some other top-notch unofficial visitors with the kids from St. Louis, all those 2018 players that are heading up. Uh, guys like Rivals 100 wide receiver Cameron Babb and uh, Cameron Brown and, and Tyler Walton, all all top players from uh, Christian, Bro- Christian Brothers College uh, High School. They're the same high school that Trey Bryant came out of there in St. Louis. So it's going to be a good recruiting weekend once again. And uh, keep an eye out for maybe a surprise or two on the on the official visitor list. And the schedule God's been good. Only one 11 a.m. game mm-hmm. for Nebraska thus far and uh, potentially – Maybe only one more, but it may not be. It's hard to say the Maryland game is the only one we don't know. But uh, that puts a wrap here for another edition of the Husker Online Show. Make sure uh, you are on Husker Online all throughout the weekend as we will have complete coverage of the Nebraska-Purdue game as well as recruiting uh, with the visitors. And uh, Nate will have his recruiting visitor gallery up by halftime. So if you want to get a good glimpse of who's all here, uh, log on to Husker Online uh, during the game and we'll have that gallery up there. But Uh, That puts a wrap here on another edition of the Husker Online Show. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.